Hello and welcome to Storytime with Bemsi, where we read stories together and talk about them. Or rather, where I read stories to you and tell you what I think about them. Today's story is A Handful of Dates by Taeb Salih. It is narrated in the first person by an unnamed man. The narrator is looking back at his childhood and exploring his relationship with the people he grew up with. In particular, he's exploring his relationship with his grandfather and one of his neighbors. Without any spoilers, here is A Handful of Dates by Taeb Salih. I must have been very young at the time. While I don't remember exactly how old I was, I do remember that when people saw me with my grandfather, they would pat me on the head and give my chick a pinch. Things they didn't do to my grandfather. The strange thing was that I never used to go out with my father. Rather, it was my grandfather who would take me with him wherever he went. Except for the mornings where I would go to the mosque to learn the Quran. The mosque, the river and the fields. These were the landmarks in our life. While most of the children my age grumbled at having to go to the mosque to learn the Quran, I used to love it. The reason was no doubt that I was quick at learning by heart and the sheikh always asked me to stand up and recite the chapter of the merciful whenever we had visitors, who would pat me on the head and cheek just as people did when they saw me with my grandfather. Yes, I used to love the mosque and I loved the river too. Directly after we finished our Quran reading in the morning, I would throw down my wooden slate and dart off, quick as a genie, to my mother, hurriedly swallow down my breakfast and run off for a plunge in the river. When tired of swimming about, I would sit on the bank and gaze at the strip of water that wound away eastwards and hid behind a thick wood of acacia trees. I loved to give rein to my imagination and picture myself a tribe of giants leaving behind that wood. A people tall and thin with white beards and sharp noses, like my grandfather. Before my grandfather ever replied to my many questions, he would rub the tip of his nose with his forefinger. As for his beard, it was soft and luxuriant and white as cotton wool. Never in my life have I ever seen anything of purer whiteness or greater beauty. My grandfather must also have been extremely tall for I never saw anyone in the whole area address him without having to look up at him. Nor did I see him enter a house without having to bend so low that I was put in mind of the way the river wound round behind the wood of acacia trees. I loved him and would imagine myself when I grew to be a man, tall and slender like him, walking along with great strides. I believe I was his favorite grandchild. No wonder, for my cousins were a stupid bunch. And I, so they say, was an intelligent child. I used to know when my grandfather wanted me to laugh, when to be silent. Also, I would remember the times for his prayers and would bring him his prayer rug and fill the ua for his ablution without his having to ask me. When he had nothing else to do, he enjoyed listening to me reciting to him from the Quran in a lilting voice. And I could tell from his face that he was moved. One day, I asked him about our neighbor Masood. I said to my grandfather, I fancy you don't like our neighbor Masood. To which he answered, having rubbed the tip of his nose. He is an indolent man and I don't like such people. I said to him, what an indolent man. My grandfather lowered his head for a moment 
Then looking across at the wide expanse of field, he said, Do you see it stretching out from the edge of the desert up to the Nile bank? A hundred feathers. Do you see all those dead palms? And those trees, Sant, Acacia, and Sayal? All these fell into Masud's lap, was inherited by him from his father. Taking advantage of the silence that had descended upon my grandfather, I turned my gaze from him to the vast area defined by his words. I don't care, I told myself, who owns those dead palms, those trees, or this black, cracked earth. All I know is that it's the arena for my dreams and my playground. My grandfather then continued, Yes, my boy, 40 years ago, all this belonged to Masood. Two-thirds of it, is now mine. This was news to me, for I had imagined that the land had belonged to my grandfather ever since God's creation. I didn't own a single fedan when I first set foot in this village. Masood was then the owner of all these riches. The position has changed now, though, and I think that before Allah calls to him, I shall have bought the remaining third as well. I do not know why it was that I felt fear at my grandfather's words and pity for our neighbor Masood. How I wished my grandfather wouldn't do what he had said. I remembered Masood's singing, his beautiful voice and his powerful laugh that resembled the gurgling of water. My grandfather never used to laugh. I asked my grandfather why Masood had sold his land. Women. And from the way my grandfather pronounced the word, I felt that women was something terrible. Masood, my boy, was a much married man. Every time he married, he sold me a feather or two. I made the quick calculation that Masood must have married some 90 women. Then I remembered his three wives, his shabby appearance, his lame donkey and his dilapidated saddle, his jabala with the torn sleeves. I had all but read my mind of the thoughts that jostled in it when I saw the man approaching us and my grandfather and I exchanged glances. We'll be harvesting the dates today, said Masood. Don't you want to be there? I felt, though, that he did not really want my grandfather to attend. My grandfather, however, jumped to his feet and I saw that his eyes sparkled momentarily with an intense brightness. He pulled me by the hand and we went off to the harvesting of Masood's dates. Someone brought my grandfather a stool covered with an ox hide while I remained standing. There was a vast number of people there. But though I knew them all, I found myself for some reason watching Masood. Aloof from the great gathering of people, he stood, as though it were no concern of his, despite the fact that the dead palms to be harvested were his own. Sometimes his attention would be caught by the sound of a huge clump of dates crashing down from on high. Once he shouted up at the boy perched on the very summit of the dead palm, who had begun hacking at the clump with his long, sharp sickle. Be careful you don't cut the heart of the palm. No one paid any attention to what he said. And the boy, seated at the very summit of the dead palm, continued, quickly and energetically, to work away at the branch, with his sickle, till the clump of dates began to drop like something descending from the heavens. I, however, had begun to think about Masood's phrase, the heart of the palm. I pictured the palm tree as something with feeling, something possessed of a heart that throbbed. I remembered Masood's remark to me when, he had once seen me playing about with a branch of a young palm tree. Palm trees, my boy, like humans, experience joy and suffering. 
and I had felt an inward and unreasoned embarrassment. When I again looked at the expanse of ground stretching before me, I saw my young companions swarming like ants around the trunks of the palm trees, gathering up dates and eating most of them. The dates were collected into high mounds. I saw people coming along and weighing them into measuring bins and pouring them into sacks, of which I counted thirty. The crowd of people broke up, except for Hossein the merchant, Musa the owner of the field next to ours in the east, and two men I had never seen before. I heard a low whistling sound and saw that my grandfather had fallen asleep. Then I noticed that Masood had not changed his stance, except that he had placed a stalk in his mouth and was munching at it like someone surfeited with food who does not know what to do with the mouthful he still has. Suddenly my grandfather woke up, jumped to his feet, and walked towards the sacks of dates. He was followed by Hossein the merchant, Musa the owner of the field next to ours, and the two strangers. I glanced at Masood and saw that he was making his way towards us with extreme slowness, like a man who wants to retreat, but whose feet insist on going forward. They formed a circle round the sacks of dates and began examining them, some taking a date or two to eat. My grandfather gave me a fistful, which I began munching. I saw Masood filling the palms of both hands with dates and bringing them up close to his nose, then returning them. Then I saw them dividing up the sacks between them. Hossein the merchant took ten. Each of the strangers took five. Musa, the owner of the field next to ours on the eastern side, took five. And my grandfather took five. Understanding nothing, I looked at Masood and saw that his eyes were darting about left to right, like two mice that have lost their way home. You're still fifty pounds in debt to me, said my grandfather to Masood. We'll talk about it later. Hossein called his assistants and they brought along donkeys. The two strangers produced camels and the sacks of dates were loaded onto them. One of the donkeys let out a braying which set the camels frothing at the mouth and complaining noisily. I felt myself drawing close to Masood, felt my hand stretch out towards him as though I wanted to touch the hem of his garment. I heard him make a noise in his throat like the rasping of a lamb being slaughtered. For some unknown reason, I experienced a sharp sensation of pain in my chest. I ran off into the distance. Hearing my grandfather call after me, I hesitated a little, then continued on my way. I felt at that moment that I hated him. Quickening my pace, it was as though I carried within me a secret I wanted to read myself of. I reached the river bank near the bend it made behind the wood of acacia tree. Then, without knowing why, I put my finger into my throat and spewed up the dates I had eaten. The End I particularly liked this story because it has a very introspective quality to it. It explores quite serious themes like connection, greed, selfishness. But the most salient theme I found in the story is that of the process of coming of age. In the beginning of the story, the narrator introduces us to his grandfather, who is a wealthy, business-savvy and industrious man. He also talks to us about the neighbor Masood, who is almost the exact opposite of his grandfather. We see that the narrator's grandfather is contemptuous of their neighbor Masood, seeing Masood as somebody he can profit from, rather than as a friend or even a neighbor. His grandfather seems to be a strict, disciplined, rational type of man, while Masood, on the contrary, seems to be more soulful and an emotional kind of person. 
It's quite clear that there is also a strong power imbalance in the relationship, with the narrator's grandfather possessing all the real power. Masood seems to accept things the way they are, but the narrator, as the story goes on, does not think that Masood is being treated fairly by his grandfather. He thinks his grandfather is exploiting Masood, and he begins to identify very strongly with Masood. This is quite interesting, because at the start of the story, he strongly liked and identified with his grandfather, and one gets the sense that he even yearned for his grandfather's approval. But by the end of the story, those feelings of affection and identification end up being transferred to Masood, and the narrator ends up seeing his grandfather with a completely different set of eyes. The fact that he throws up the dates he has been eating is quite telling. He is, in some sense, rejecting his grandfather and his grandfather's values. I think that this is process that we all go through where we have to make a decision at some point whether we're going to adopt or reject the values that we have been brought up with. What would have been interesting for me to see at the end of this story would have been how the relationship with his grandfather changed. That would have been quite an interesting thing seeing him navigate the new relationship that he has with the new set of eyes that he's seeing the people in his life through. Anyways, that's it for today's story. As usual, I encourage you to read these stories for yourself in your spare time. If you liked this episode or have any comments, please do not hesitate to get in touch. And until next time, I have been your host, Bemsey.